All right. Hi, everybody. It's our CFB Talk. It's Tuesday night. We're here to talk with you. Another day here in college football's offseason. Always a little bit dry, especially with the Super Bowl happening. But, you know, we're now in the doldrums. We're going to start the slow steam ahead as we get spring football coming up and heading towards what should be an interesting 2023 season. A lot of stuff going on kind of as people logistically set up what's coming up for next season. I mean, actually, it was fascinating to see the announcement for Big 12 Media Days coming up because there's going to be 14 teams because everybody's going to be there, including Oklahoma and Texas, for that last go-around. So it should be interesting to see everyone together <laughs> for what should be a few interesting days in Texas. Uh, Big 12 Media Days has always been an interesting one. We've had an opportunity to cover it a few years in a row but there'll be extra kind of juicy tension heading into this. A lot of folks have been having fun with the fact that, of course, the Aggies and Longhorns are going to be uh, in the conference finally again together when the Longhorns joined the SEC. Jason Kirk has a tweet that I've just absolutely thought was hilarious. Came out oh, a couple of days ago. Maybe some of you saw it. The Aggies and Longhorns should be week one every year. The winner then bears all their combined gigantic offseason hype while the loser's in instant crisis mode. <laughs> and he suggests do it every year and week zero, just so the whole world can see. I think that would be a delight, especially if we get that rivalry back. The the complete, I, I love how, I mean, a lot of fans have wanted to see it back. The kind of dance, song and dance that both programs have done to avoid returning to that rivalry has been a little bit irritating, even including opportunities to even potentially play postseason games um, ever since Texas A&M left the Big 12. So it'll be nice to see that again. But I love that idea of just having them play in week one every year. And just, can you imagine? I mean, <laughs> the, either Texas is back or, or Texas A&M is on the, uh, on the uh, Aggie hype train. I think it'll be a, a blast. But again, anything you want to talk about in college football, if you'd like to join me up here and, and share your view, we'd love to hear it. Just hit request. It's our CFB talk. Another, you know, another article that I thought was kind of interesting was, again, it was fun to see ahead of the, um, excuse me, ahead of the Super Bowl to see some of the, the joy that comes from all the programs that have players that are heading into the Super Bowl. And Alabama, Alabama and Oklahoma tweeted identical videos wishing Jalen Hurts luck in the Super Bowl. Obviously, it could have gone. We, we know how the game ended, but it was just sort of, that's something you like to see. Because in the end, a lot of these folks, especially at that caliber of player, you could argue the same thing with someone like a Caleb Williams. You know, their their goal is to reach the NFL and, and every stop they have, especially when they do well at those stops, does a lot to, to build that career, build that reputation. Um, so again, it was that was something I think a lot of fans on RCFB like to see, and I know a lot of folks in college football like to see. I mean, here's a, a neutral fan, so to speak, Texas A&M fan, Admiral Tarkin. Jalen Hurts is one of my favorite SEC players ever. Seeing him take his benching with class was something you won't see from 70% plus of quarterbacks, you know, Echoed by an LSU fan, I loathe, I loathe Bama. However, watching Saban get a little choked up talking up about Jalen after the 2018 SEC championship game was amazing. You simply can't help but root for him in these circumstances. So again, a lot of joy, um, a lot of, of happiness from fans, again, before the, uh, the actual game itself, um, which was a, was a delight, especially if you're a Kansas City fan. 
got a couple of friends who are both on our CFB and uh, I guess in real life. Um, but again, if you'd like to join and give your thoughts on college football, feel free to hit request. These are opportunities to chat. I know it's Valentine's Day for a lot of people, and for some people it's a welcome break just to have something to listen to. Um, I know I've had a chance to be out there. It's been fun. Um, a little chaotic where I'm at. I'm not entirely sure why, but uh, hopefully wherever you are, you're enjoying your weekend and you're, you're enjoying your weekend, you're enjoying your evening. Um, you know, one thing I did mean to mention right at the outset is all of us at RCFB, we really want to, our hearts go out to what's going on over at Michigan State. Um, the events of uh, yesterday were tragic, and I know a lot of folks, I mean, it's it's just a tragedy no matter how you slice it. And um, we we wish just, you know, the hurt for all those folks who were affected to, to hopefully to process the way it needs to go and, and, and in a way that, that can hopefully get some lesson out of all of it. Uh, and, it and it's just an awful thing to have happen. And, and we are, our thoughts are to everyone over at Michigan state. Um, changing gears again, another topic, again, if you'd like to join the conversation, please hit request uh, <laughs> some fans of the last of us, which obviously has been this phenomenon on tele, pardon me on, uh, uh, the, this new television show, it's a bit of a fun. I always want to say on television, but it's weird to say that in, in this era of, of streaming. I guess that shows my age. But obviously, it's based on a video game and that it was so far successfully adapted for the screen. But someone who was a fan of The Last of Us, um, Matt Brown of Extra Points, who's always kind of the master of kind of these sort of squirrely stories and, uh, and loves to cover the NCAA football game. He just read a post that pointed out that Alabama's last football game, based on the dates in the show The Last of Us Universe, would have been that infamous loss to Northern Illinois. And he hopes that the show will eventually address that somehow. Goodness. Oh, my gosh. I, I just think that's fun when people observe that. Because I mean, one of the classic kind of moments in movies and television where fans who know anything about college football realize it's kind of absurd if you ever go and watch Die Hard, obviously, as some people like to joke, one of those great Christmas movies, at, early on in the film, one of the security guards at Nakatomi Tower, who's just sort of chilling before the you know, terrorists come in, he's watching USC Notre Dame. Of course, that would make it Christmas Day, which anyone who knows anything about college football, that's not when you play a regular season game. So sometimes, you know, fans who really pay attention get a kick out of those sorts of things. Um, you know, just kind of going back to what Matt Brown observed with The Last of Us, if you go with the timeline that's observed in that show, the last college football national championship, this is his own words, before the fungus spores destroy humanity, of course, would have been the, the world-famous The Ohio State Buckeyes. So anyway, if you're a fan of The Last of Us, that kind of, it's kind of fun to see where that falls into play. You know, going back to that diehard comment, I think the only reason why they decided to throw USC Notre Dame on the screen rather than... I don't know, an NFL game or something that might fit a Christmas theme. Um, they decided to, I'm pretty sure it's because, you know, USC is a film school. Usually they'll, they'll tuck things in there. It looks like we have someone who wants to join us. So I'm going to go ahead and let you up. I'd love to hear from you. Um, All Dressed Father, when you're up here, feel free to hit unmute. Hey, All Dressed Father, I just see you got joined. Feel free to hit unmute. Love to hear from you. Uh, howdy. Um, I just want to lead off with... Uh... I pretend that that is a college basketball uh, game and not a college football game. Otherwise, it would make me angry. 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what what about it made you so what about the football aspect made you so angry? And just the fact that it is Christmas Day. Just yeah. having that yeah, long like I get there right. And it's like the bit. like even the Godfather too, there's a moment where oh gosh, I forgot the the gangster in uh in Miami Beach, he's also happens to be watching TV in the background, and it's a USC UCLA game. And uh, it, I, I don't know, maybe it was a go-to for a while, but um, yeah, I'd like to see also some more teams represented in that because it's just—I mean, okay, and when that movie was set, perhaps, but you know, the Die Hard and other films, let's see some more college football teams end up in films and in the background. I mean, gosh, knows Florida State's got a decent film school. Um, their students would always t- typically win like little student awards. Uh, over the years, and I'm sure that, that that turned into some lucrative, you know, film contracts. So, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, we'll see some more of those tucked in. So, what are your thoughts so far in the off season? Uh, so so far, uh, I am waiting for the next wave of realignment. Uh, personally, uh, I, I'm waiting for that Pac-12 deal to fall through and the Pac-12 <laughs> dissolve. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So I, I have to ask you then, what is your thoughts? What would you like to see if the Pac-12 were to dissolve? Where would you like those programs to go? Well, I think the, the Big 12 is a natural fit for like half the conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Especially the and former corner. Oregon, Washington find their way in the Big 10. Stanford might join them as well. And then yep. Oregon State and Washington State are just going to they're going to be the real victims in this. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. It seems like every time anyone tries to figure out what happens to the conference, if it implodes, those are the two programs, Wazoo and Oregon State, as, as generally liked as they are outside of their, their purest rivals and, and you know, obviously working in Washington. They're kind of lovable kind of like teams that try an occasional punch above their weight, make the Rose Bowl, like, or, or just something of that nature, you know. And then, you know, at this point, if the, if the Pac-12 does not successfully expand and breaks apart, those are the two that seem to be likely candidates for... And again, nothing wrong with the Mountain West, but it doesn't have the same cachet or payout. Um, right, absolutely. And, and that, would be a big, that would be a big step down. I mean, I'm hoping that even if the Pac-12 doesn't necessarily add what appears to be a desire, strong desire for San Diego State and SMU over in the Metroplex... They'll probably stick together only because of this the way they expanded the playoff, which seems to have suddenly – I thought the, the biggest winner of the expanded playoff was the Pac-12 because it looked like uh, the, they are the Big 12 and maybe the Big 12 as well in the sense that they were about to get into a knife fight over you know survival <laughs> right. now that the Big 10 and SEC were becoming the kings and the ACC was just kind of stuck in its own little universe – but in a way that you couldn't poach teams from the ACC, they were much more the way their contract goes. It's much more complicated to steal a team from them. So well, now you have. I was hoping that that would also tidal wave into the ACC as well. Like the, the ripple effect of the Pac-12 dissolving would also collapse the ACC. Oh wow, that's a... <laughs> that, that would be. A... I'd, I'd rather I, if, the if... Pac-12 all like stay together. I'd love for the ACC to just implode and die mm. definitely not a salty yukon fan at all but 
Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. Now that now now some of your thoughts on that make a little bit more sense. Yeah. I don't know. And it's so funny too. I think the reason the playoff I think is going to keep things the way they are is the way it allowing so many of these potential conference winners to go in. Suddenly the Pac-12 doesn't feel quite as lost. You know, uh, uh, certainly the money's going to make an impact over time, or at least the lower amount that they're going to get compared to you know right. U.S. and UCLA in the in the Big Ten. But it but, keeps them at least somewhat alive. But I yeah, exactly playoff spot is that's huge. It is absolutely, and, just, and you got to think that the deans at both USC and UCLA are kicking themselves that that was announced after they decided to join the Big Ten. Oh, I I'll say this much: they're like that that classic scene out of Zombieland with uh, Woody Harrelson wiping his tears with dollars and with hundred dollar bills because. The net benefit there, because that was the bitterness between from what all the reporting seemed to indicate. The bitterness with USC and UCLA and the Pac-12 wasn't was was the money. It was it, that's what it came down to. And even this new playoff structure, although it gives access to the remaining teams, uh, I would be concerned that 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 it still won't necessarily boost the finances for them. Although, I mean, gosh. I, I, the Big Twelve certainly seems to have survived the best in all of this of those two pro, of those two conferences, <clears throat> even losing Texas and Oklahoma because they certainly good, brought in some interesting on, new. Because like everyone thought that when Oklahoma and Texas were like left at, left for dead. Oh yeah, you know, and it's funny it was, too, guys. It was you, pick the carcass, and I'm I'm impressed that they were actually able to survive. It was some smart moves, and I mean, I I have some some faith in in the new. Conference Commissioner Brett Yormark, I've met him uh, in passing, and, and he's a pretty dynamic guy, so he seems to have that energy to kind of keep that conference together and keep them relevant. You know, one of the, one of the things that reminded me of, of talking about whether or not the Pac-12, who would, who would benefit the least if the Pac-12 were, I mean, no one would really benefit from it, but if the Pac-12 were to come, come apart, this story was actually kind of something that was discussed Gosh, back in, you know, about oh, 13 years ago when it looked like the Big 12 might collapse, when it looked like you, the Pac-12 was making a serious, excuse me, <coughs> serious play for uh, Texas and Oklahoma. And yep. it, it supposedly came apart due to some. I was actually also reading an article on that day. Yeah. And, and I remember when they were trying to figure out what would happen to the members remaining in the Big 12, the teams that seemed the least likely to to have a benefit were, I mean, to some extent, unsurprising. Iowa State, okay, maybe K-State would have trouble finding a new home, but the one that surprised some people was Kansas. And it, the reason, the, the logic at the time was, yes, Kansas is a basketball power, and their football wasn't quite as bad as it really kind of hit the bottom as it did <coughs> in that following decade. But the issue was, Basketball just didn't make as much money as football, so that made them a little less desirable. I mean, the football program at some of the other programs, and, and also just simply being in Texas, made those schools more attractive. Um, I know, because that was, I believe, after uh, A&M had already agreed to leave and join the SEC, so the, uh, the Pac-12 was trying to bring in four teams, and they were trying to get in. Oklahoma straight-up voiced, indirect interest they weren't they were not messing around about that texas was really kind of oblivious to it and kind of kept the their decision to stay kept the rest of it together but they were trying to figure out who the other two teams would be they wanted to bring four and make it like the pack 16 and it was going to end up being like i think it was ending up being texas a texas tech pardon me and oklahoma state and of course it never happened 
But I still remember there were discussions just like we're having now about, well, if the Pac-12, I mean, I, I think they're going to stay together at this point. But the same thing, like what happens if they, uh, if they kind of come apart? You know, we have someone else up here who wanted to join the conversation. Yeah, uh, uh, Cajun Killer 94 what's up? Check one, two, can you hear me? Sure can. Uh, see, the problem with realignment is all the teams that is basically far away from their from the conference's middle. Because if you remember, at one point in the mid two thousands, the Sun Belt Conference had. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. I know exactly where you're going had, with this. Uh, Oh, Lord. What school is in Las Cruces? Is that New Mexico or New Mexico State? New Mexico State. It had New Mexico State and Idaho. At one point, Idaho... Multiple times. Multiple times. Idaho had to go down to Florida Atlantic to play a conference game. Yeah, I remember that. Think a Sun Belt conference game at the Kibbe Dome. That is, yes. that is peak college football. <laughs> I remember because they got raided by Conference USA. I, rem- I, I vividly remember yeah. Conference USA had raided them actually a few times over the years. I mean, at one point, before they even sponsored football, they got raided by Conference USA. It was like the, the second nature of the, <laughs> of the program, of, of that conference. When they needed to get more people, they just poached them from there because they lost so many, so many key teams at that time because they were, they were looking strong. And then they lost, you know, North Texas. They lost Florida Atlantic. FAU. They lost Middle Tennessee. Middle yeah, Tennessee. FIU. I was, I was forgetting that four teams because why we had New Mexico State and Idaho was it was still at the time where the NCAA said you must have 12 or 14 teams to have a conference championship game. It was, yep. I think, at least 12. Yeah, 12. That, that's why we got the Navy to join the AAC. And when those four teams got poached off, we had 10. And they really wanted a conference championship game. So they added Idaho and New Mexico State. Oh, yeah. I remember that. And it got, it got so awkward, too, because then as soon as the NCAA revised that rule and said you didn't need the extra teams, they, uh, they immediately... Kick them yeah, out again, Mexico, which is just so. New Mexico State, hmm? I could see, because our farthest western team is Texas State. And yeah. New Mexico State does outside of El Paso, but Idaho. Yeah, Idaho is you definitely the duck. You also have to think that like New Braunfels is seven, eight hours from El Paso. Yeah. Well. Yeah. If you drive yeah. down I ten. From Orange, Texas, which is at the Louisiana-Texas border to El Paso, is 12 hours. 12 hours. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's always incredible to think who was in that conference at one point or another. I mean, either affiliate or full members, they've had everyone from UAB to UCF to FAU, FIU, Louisiana Tech. I remember when they were oh, in the... They, in the in, uh, they can go... You know who I call Louisiana Tech? The Buns. The Bastards up north. 
they have they and I feel bad for that program because they and to a, to an even greater extent Louisiana Monroe ULM they they have a tough 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 road because they're always competing against the SEC. They, their footprint is is quite small. I remember talking. Gosh, this is back when. Um, Oh, what was his name? But uh, I talked to the ULM coach at the first time I ever covered Sunbelt Media Days. And oh. I just asked him, like, what's recruiting even like? He's like, look, we our budget is teeny. And all our recruiting for football, and this is at the time. I mean, it may have changed, but ULM at the time was Todd Berry. That was who it was, Coach Todd Berry. He was like, all we can really recruit is southern Arkansas and northern Louisiana and maybe a little bit further, but our budget, we just don't have it. And uh, and I just when you hear that you're like my goodness it, it really underlined the uh, the difference in the arms race among you know teams supposedly in the FBS but it's uh, yeah. you know what they compete against it's just it's astonishing. And this is yeah. why uh, I mean I was against I, I've been against UConn moving down in football because we have the ability to recruit a lot more than any FCS team we don't need to go down to FCS. No. Yeah, yeah. I think I think this has I think this last season really helped UConn just in terms of perception a lot. I mean, I am. I think a lot of folks did not expect that level of success, let alone out of Jim Mora's first. I, you know, I, I mean, what, is his first or second season? Was, first season. Yeah. So I thought three wins was the maximum. Yeah, and you know, and that's the thing because Mora, he's not incompetent. He just always does this thing where. He, He'll coach a team, and then he'll get fired, and then he'll take a long break. And then he'll come back. Because I remember that's what happened at UCLA. They hired him and was like, oh, he wants to coach again. Okay. Yeah. And then he did fine there, and it kind of, it kind of petered out after you know, a strong start. And, and everyone says like he likes to just sit out his buyout. He just likes to sit it out. He's not in a rush to go coaching again. And then everyone was like, oh, okay, UConn, wow. I mean, not a terrible hire. He certainly can coach people, but. Just to get to a bowl, man, that, that is one of the great – that is one of the and surprising And we did that without our uh, offensive coordinator? One of our oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, no, there yeah, were major injuries for the yeah. for UConn. Jim Moore, Jim Moore reminds me of a very old saying, like father, like son. As a Saints fan, we all know about that. <laughs> hey, you know, Why by the way, so – so, Cajun Kill, who's your team? Is it? I mean, I don't want to make assumptions here, but what 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 team is your? Do you like to to follow college football? The University of Louisiana. Ah, oh, Raging Cajuns. Yep. <laughs> I was going to say Warhawks. Oh, don't do that! No, no, no. no. I'm in my car right now. Right now, don't make me hit the interstate now. <laughs> hey. So how you feeling? Cajun fan. You know how I know that? Hmm. If you pull up where Cajun Field right now is on Google Maps, there's a hospital right across the street from it. I was born in that hospital. Oh wow. That's great. So you've been you've been there. Wow. So do you still live in the area or Yeah. I live about ten, fifteen minutes depends on traffic from all the stadiums. Oh, that's awesome. So, I mean, last season was a little disappointing. What are you thinking heading into year two? I do not know. I love Coach Daz, but, I mean, we just got so many players that went into transfer portal after uh, 
Why the hell am I blanking on his name? Napier. Napier. Yeah. After Napier left, because the school was founded in 1898. He was our very first coach to get poached from us. Wow, really? Yep. I never even realized that, it, that he was the first. Yep, not even Coach Stokely, no, no one. It was wow. Coach Napier. Well, for good reasons, certainly. I mean, the, I mean, but yeah, wow. I'm trying to think, like, because it, it's not like, I mean, because I remember, you know, about gosh, oh, around the the millet turn, uh, about 2000, 2001, 2003, somewhere in that range. You know, I, I know I skipped oh. you there, but you know, it was it was tough for the for Louisiana. It was tough down there. You know, I mean, as far as you know, sometimes I. When I'd read the bottom 10 on ESPN, they'd get the butt of the jokes. But it has been – I mean, they've been successful now, though, for yes. regularly. I mean, they used to be – you know, as you know, they used to be a regular visitor at the at the New Orleans Bowl. And, uh, I mean, that was, what, like three years in a row where they were there or four years in a row. I remember that little stretch. Because that there. was back in the days when Sunbelt only had one bowl. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But you know why we love going – why the New Orleans Bowl loves us? Because you bring the home ground. I can get on I-10 right now, and within three hours, before midnight right now, I could be on Bourbon Street with a beer in my hand. <laughs> I am so jealous. I live in Minnesota, man. You have no idea how jealous it is. It, it was <laughs> ice-cold rain all day, and it, and it sucks because that was a warm day. You know what that means? Tomorrow morning, it's all going to be frozen. So oh, it's going to be the car, you know, like the ice capades. It's going to be the car capades tomorrow when I try to take uh, my kids to school and go work, all that stuff. But man, you know, and I just, so just going back, I going back to the, those, the, that stretch that, you know, Louisiana was doing great. I did coach Hud just stay too long because I was so shocked. No one poached him. And then I remembered, yeah, he kind of petered out at the end and was shown the door, but man, that is, it's just stunning to me. To me, Coach Hud is one of those coaches who is an excellent recruiter more than an actual coach. Mm. But he's had problems because you remember we had to forfeit a bunch of wins. Oh, yeah. But that was and before his time. He was just the coach when it came out. But it wasn't there in his tenure. No, I, I remember because Austin P. He lasted there for like one season. Seemed great, did awesome. You know, had eleven wins, first eleven win season in their history, and then he just he left after one season. And uh, you know, you knew something was up when it was the classic. I'm going to go spend more time with my family. And then, unfortunately, well, I mean, I don't know how unfortunate, but it sure turns out like he just was unacceptable conduct. They didn't. I didn't. I don't know the exact details. Yeah. But yeah, so maybe there was a, didn't really work out there. Um, Shout out the governor, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think last time I checked, he was coaching a high school in Alabama. Yeah, Gulf Shores. Yeah, he's at Gulf Shores I High mean, School. In five years, he went from the school's very first New Orleans boat to coaching a high school in Alabama. Oh man! Well, hey, you know, maybe he'll maybe he'll find a second, you know, another another opportunity to rise up. Although. You know, yeah, he's he's still young enough. He's in his fifties, his early mid fifties. He he might find his way back out again and maybe take a 
maybe he'll find his way into the assistant coaching ranks of college because he's got to be attractive. I mean, he isn't a total like disaster. And if he's a good recruiter, he's a good recruiter. And, and you know, it's funny you mention that because I think like especially in those kind of years of the Sun Belt that we're talking about, you know, especially like 2011 to 2014, when, before when it was still kind of trying to restore its footing after, you know, losing so many programs to Conference USA at that time, um, you could just have a really talented team and probably skate by on talent and, and win the conference. Yeah, but here's the funny thing is the coach before uh... – Coach Hutchfist, uh, it was Ricky Bustle, I believe. He went from the head coach of UL to becoming a special teams coach. That's a big drop. Not a coordinator, not like a quarterback's coach, but a special teams coach. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> I-, I will give you a word of advice, though. If UL falls off the rails, uh, do not rehire Billy Napier. No. I have been there, done that. It does not work. Oh, yeah. UConn got that particular surprise. Yeah, I, 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 I've never been a fan of rehiring a head coach to a program. I mean, I watched it. And maybe it's because my formative years as a college student, I was, you know, I watched USC go through two coaches. And one of them was returning a guy who had won a national championship, John Robinson, who had been under the legendary John McKay, you know, for years and then just took the job when McKay went to take over the Buccaneers in the NFL and he won a national championship, won some Rose Bowls, came really close to winning another one, and then you know took over the L.A. Rams. And when he came back, it just wasn't the same. I mean, they made one Rose Bowl and then the rest of it. And it was funny, too, because I remember talking to, um, talking to people, because, again, they, they fired him and hired an even less successful coach, Paul Hackett. But the, uh, I remember talking to folks who were around the program at USC, and they said he just had kind of forgot how <laughs> he, he ran the program as like a a club it was just sort of like hey all the guys get to kind of relax you know seniors could kind of take it easy he kind of still ran it in almost a way where this in the late 70s and mid 70s you could get away with a college football team just relying on pure talent winning that way but but even by the mid 90s it just wasn't that way so the game had passed them by a bit but sometimes yeah you get those examples of guys who come back occasionally i'm not saying you know there's 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 exceptions to the rule but those are exceptions to the rule i mean mm. yeah yeah, I, that, that Fiesta Bowl. I was ten years old for that Fiesta Bowl. I have yet to see a UConn winning season, and I am now twenty-two, about to turn twenty-three. Oh man, <laughs> uh, it's it's astonishing to me how how some of that. Yeah, gosh, I, it's so funny to think I forgot they were in the Fiesta Bowl. It's embarrassing. I I honestly forgot that that was a. It's I mean, forgiving. <laughs> well, the game itself, yeah, okay, yeah, Oklahoma definitely had a had a they were Oklahoma, but that um, and that was Ed was on the plane to Maryland right after that game. Oh, you're right. Oh, Let me get neighbor. going, fellas. Great to talk to you. Absolutely, man. Thanks for joining us. And if any of you'd like to join the conversation, hit request. We just love talking college football. Love to talk to you. 
you know, may not take actually, and this this evening we may not take too long, only because it is Valentine's Day and, and schedules are a little bit busy. Uh, both my co-hosts are not able to make it. Um, <laughs> I am at a stage of life where kids and all that stuff, honestly, it, it, things got to end at a certain point for me. Otherwise, you know, my life goes off the rails. But, um, you know, actually, you know, this might be actually a good time to slowly wrap up. I think this was a nice, quick conversation for a delightful Tuesday evening. I just wanted to thank you for joining me, uh, both the Cajun Killer and uh, to you, All Dressed Father. <laughs> <laughs> I know hey. it's always weird to call people by usernames. Uh, th- thanks for having me. Uh, it was good to be on. And uh, roll skis. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I've never heard that one. That's a good one. I like that. Roll skis for UConn. Oh, that's awesome. But uh, all right. Well, thank you all for listening in. This was kind of a 30-minute Reddit talk. Not Reddit talk. Sorry, I host that too. It's Reddit teamed up with a newspaper group and asked for somebody on our team to help out. So I help out there. But this was actually our CFP our own talk 126 we love talking college football on tuesday nights um we're going to be continuing these as we always do at 10 p.m eastern and then actually i think starting this next week we're going to start bringing back guests my co-host and i were talking about it's like we've had a chance to kind of decompress from the end of the college football season it's now mid february let's get back to to bring in some of our guests that we've had in the past so we'll start bringing in some of those and announcing them far in advance so if you want to tune in you can Otherwise, tune in on Tuesday nights. On behalf of myself, Bob Kairi, hope you all have a great night. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. And now I'm going to hang up and listen.